0: Welcome to the 85th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on Family Farming, Sustainable Agriculture, Local Food Systems, and Local Democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. One of the reasons the Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings course is so successful at launching beginning farmers in their careers on the land is that the classes are actually taught by established, experienced farmers. This provides the kind of access to real-world knowledge that can't be replicated in a book or PowerPoint. One of Farm Beginnings regular presenters, Atina Diffley, is truly a pioneer in organic farming and marketing. She has been actively involved in the local and organic food community as a laborer, co-op produce manager, farmer, educator, and activist since 1979. In 1985 she joined Martin Diffley at Gardens of Egan, a certified organic Minnesota produce farm that has been in operation near the Twin Cities since 1973. Over the years, Gardens of Egan has become a model for how to profitably raise and market wholesale produce. In 2008, the Diffley sold the farming operation to Wedge Natural Foods Co-op and launched Gardens of Egan's Organic Field School. Atina is now focusing on teaching the next generation of organic farmers and doing outreach to the general public about organic and local agriculture. In a special series of Ear to the Ground podcasts, we will feature a presentation that Atina gave at a recent Farm Beginnings class on the importance of a good decision-making strategy when starting and operating a farm. In this first installment, she provides some background on their farm and introduces students to the ways of setting the stage for good decision-making.
1: I'll just give you a really brief history and then I'll bring in more of my history as I'm talking about things that relevant. So I'll just give you a little history up front to, so you know who can place me. Um, I ran a farm called Gardens of Egan. My husband started the farm in 1973 at a time where people really didn't know what organic was, so he really had to stick his neck out. and He had to figure a lot of things out. There wasn't a lot of places to learn. Uh, we were vegetables, organics, vegetables. We, At that point in time, we were very diverse. He used to at a farmer's market. In 1976, he opened a roadside stand in Egan, Minnesota. Um, in the late 80s, I joined him in 1984. In the late 80s, we got developed out of Egan. We were on family farm, fifth generation family farm. He didn't own it, his family owned it, so we didn't really have control. Um, We were the people running the farm. At that time, we bought a new farm in Eureka Township, which is about 45 minutes south of the Twin Cities. Um, And by the mid 80s, we were doing really a lot of wholesaling. He started wholesaling to the co-ops in the early 70s. At the same time, the co-ops were getting started at the same time he was. He was selling at the farmer's market. In the 70s, grocery stores were still going to the uh, farmer's market to buy. All the mainstream grocery stores had trucks that they sent to the market. And so the co-ops were actually going to that market, the Minneapolis and the St. Paul main markets, to purchase also, which is how he connected with them and started delivering fresh to them. We moved our farm in 1994 to our new location. Uh, We kept the name Gardens Vegan instead of Gardens Eureka. (laughs) We made a lot of decisions over the following years as we grew, and I'm gonna touch on some of them. And then in 2007, we made a really big decision which was to sell the business aspect uh, and the name of our business, Gardens Vegan, to the Wedge Co-Op. So that happened in January of 2008. So since then, the Wedge Co-Op hires a manager and sub-managers to run the farm. We still own the land. They have a lease purchase option Mike, who's in your class, is actually one of the managers at Garden's vegan. And he just told me a woman named and Jennifer works there. And a woman named Chris Bean, he says, is in your class. And she worked for us in 1997, I think. Okay, so that was my quick who I am, and I'll touch on that more, and you can ask questions as we go, or if who I am is relevant to something, we'll touch on it. So I just want to start with the definition of what is a farm. Because this is something I've puzzled about a lot of times in my life because because when we got developed out of Egan and we were we lost the land portion of our farm. I looked up what is a farm and it said a piece of land used for agricultural purposes. So there I was in a situation where the land portion of what I thought was my farm was being bulldozed and destroyed. But I was still a farmer and I was still farming and I still I thought of us as a farm. And so I put a lot of thought into this and I really came up with these three components of what a farm is which is a business, the business aspect of your farm, the land aspect, which holds you in a location, and brings all of the location components, like biological diversity, what types of soil you have, what the climate is, and then the people. And those are just three kind of basic components. And I like to bring them into the decision-making concepts today because we have to consider all three of them. And they're the three main areas where um, things change. So if I look at my own farm, Gardens Vegan, I'm going to be referring to today as Gardens Vegan in the present tense, because I think better in the present tense. I just want to reiterate, I'm no longer running the farm. Mike is a more present runner and owner of Gardens Vegan than I am. But I'm, so just so you're not confused, I will speak in the present tense. Um, so when Gardens Vegan started, you know, it was set in Egan, that was the land base. The people was basically my husband, Martin, and the people and then the business was as he, as he created it. Um, when I joined him, you can see how a big shift in people came, because I brought to that table a lot of the components that he was missing. We really blended well together. How many people in this room plan to expect a farm with a partner? That's almost all of you. How many expect it will be a, a marriage or a romantic relationship partner? Okay, it's almost all of the two. That's real important and we'll touch on that again. Um, so then when we got developed out of Egan, the land portion of this component, what is a farm, changed. That was a really big deal because the land we were farming in Egan was a sandy farm. And on the soil maps, it was actually listed as not suitable for agricultural purposes. It Doesn't mean it wasn't suitable for agricultural purposes, but it really dictated a lot of the farming decisions that we made. The crops we grew, what does well in sand, Um, did we have irrigation or didn't we? That's a big issue with sand. You can see how that location related to that sand we were close to the Twin Cities. We could get to downtown Minneapolis in 20 minutes. So that part of that land equation dictated a lot of our decisions. So when that changed, when that component of what our farm is changed, we had to make a lot of different decisions and change a lot of the things we did. Um, And then the business aspect, similarly so as the business grows, it has to be flexible, you're going to be making a lot of decisions in that area and these three components i sort of see as the definition of a farm in a synthesis of how they blend really creates the personality of your farm and unless you're going to be a commodity crop producer selling strictly to the commodity market your farm's going to have a very distinct personality and the quicker you can figure out what that personality is it's going to help you find your niche and just get that extra value for your work and labor so that's why i throw that in there so you're going to hear about the stakeholders i guess i'm guessing again and again in this class this concept of who the decision makers are and i think it's a really important when you think about and actually comb through in a lot of different directions <coughs> what i mean by that is you're going to be making a lot of kinds of decisions big decisions little decisions fast decisions slow decisions we're going to get into that more later but Understanding who your stakeholders are, who should be involved in these decisions, is different for different types of decisions, and that's really important. We're going to look at some of those types of decisions. You know, if it's a really big decision that's going to have a long-term impact, maybe it's more of a planning-type decision. You probably want a lot of your stakeholders, and I think you're going to—they're going to go through a process identifying
0: stakeholders. We started that in session one. Okay, yep.
1: great. So that's not—that's not a new concept to you. So, you know, a big decision like that, you're probably going to want to bring in pretty much everyone involved. Um, Some small decision, like you've got to decide if you're going to pick the broccoli or the lettuce first, that's probably a one-person decision. And I I did some consulting this week with a couple that was having really trouble with decision-making. It was really slow and moving really slow for them. And in going through their systems, what we realized is they didn't have any identified decision-makers for those simple or quick decisions they hadn't delegated out any of the different areas of the farm and so one of the first things we did in that consulting session was really make a list of all the different main areas of the farm such as greenhouse this was a vegetable operation so greenhouse managing crew harvest delivery marketing and and we set up a system for them to figure out who would be the primary person in charge of that Decision-making area. It didn't mean they had to do all the work in the area, but that they'd be that'd be their primary responsibility. And this they found really, really helpful because all of a sudden it freed up a lot of these small decisions that they were really laboring over. Um, the way Martin and I always ran the farm is we had really distinct um, areas that we were responsible for. Our personalities are very different. Our strengths and weaknesses are very different. Um, so, for example, I was in charge of marketing and the greenhouse and running the pack shed and running the the crew, he was in charge of the fields and the equipment and construction. It didn't mean we made all those decisions ourselves. If we needed some information from the person's area, we might ask them a question. If it was a big decision, we'd sit down and, and really have an involved conversation. Um, it also took care of a lot of between, if you're in a marriage or a romantic relationship, it can really help you be a team. Otherwise, sometimes the more dominant personality (coughs) maybe has too much of a lead role, and that can be a little challenging. Because I always said the hardest thing about farming is doing it with your partner and raising children. The farming is actually the easier part. So if you can have some of these systems worked out of communication, making these decisions, that can really, really be helpful. Um, Back to that identifying stakeholders, you really want to bring everyone's opinion in if it's a big decision. Inviting them and getting that diversity ideas is really helpful. So I just touched on this A lot of people get really caught up in small decisions and spend a lot of time on it My grandson, it's really a problem. He hasn't decided he's going to wear it at school the night before because he can't really decide if he should wear the blue shirt or the pink shirt and so his mother hasn't decided the night before and he's not allowed to change his mind in the morning before school But he's making this little decision into a really, really big decision. He's really afraid he's going to make the wrong decision, which is why I think he's doing this. Um, And if you can think of the small decisions, as decisions that are short term. Um, If you make a decision that you later regret, it's not going to have a super big consequence, Um, or something that doesn't involve a lot of people, or something that's an operating decision. Versus a, a big decision which has a long-term impact. Um, it could have some very serious consequences or involves many people or it's a planning decision. And the way Martin and I made our big decisions, <coughs> we had an actual process in place where we, in the fall, usually the last week of November, the first week of December, we had a formal annual planning process that we put ourselves through where we really actually decided to quit. We shook hands and we said, you know, it was great farming with you and thanks a lot. And that's it, we quit. And we formally quit. And then we really analyzed everything about our operation, what equipment we had, what markets we had, what we had going for us, what our weaknesses had we were. We wrote quality of life statements. We asked ourselves questions like, um, what do we have to change about our operation to get to this goals that we're setting? And at the end of the week, we had identified really what was our weakest link and what we most wanted to work on and focus on for the next year. And we couldn't decided we didn't want to farm. I mean, we really looked at all of our, everything we had going in our lives and made this decision. And every year we decided to farm again until the year we decided not that we did want to move away from farming. So we had this major planning period where all this kind of work got done. And that was a once a year process. And in the years we decided to farm again, we then made a 51-week commitment to farm with each other for the next 51 weeks. Um, and so that worked really well for us because then we knew, well, we had this 51-week commitment in August when it's 99% humidity and 100 degrees. You know, we really just had to get through another eight weeks or so, and then we got to quit again. <laughs> but and it helped us take all those conflicts that happened in the heat and in the stress and put them down on a piece of paper and we knew we we're going to talk about them in december and i think one mistake a lot of people make is they they do know they can't talk about them in august during the heat of the year but they never come back and talk about them so they kind of build and they kind of build and they can't kind of build and you can do that for like five to seven years maybe and then it blows up and you get divorced uh, farmers have a really high rate of divorce it's a stressful thing to do with your partner so having some kind of communication systems in place like this will really help. And finally when I work with beginning farmers, I spend a lot of time on communication skills for them rather than farming and helping them realize that they have to set up some of these communication practices. So I put this out here just to kind of illustrate that you know once you've decided it's a small decision, maybe it's um, 7 in the morning and you're a vegetable farm. And you know, you have to pick five crops today, and you have to decide the order you're going to pick them. That's a pretty small, that's an operating decision. There's probably going to be one person in charge of making that decision. They might need some information from <coughs> another person. Then gather that information um, and look at their options, collect information, and then they can make a decision. If they make a decision they later regret, it, it's not going to be that big of a deal. They can go, ah, oh, I learned. Next time, I'm going to try to remember whatever it is that. I regret it here. And they're going
0: to move on. For more information on Farm Beginnings, see www.farmbeginnings.org. That's farmbeginnings.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Grounds theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.